I'm like the least important person in my life. I, I really am. And I don't, I don't say that as a self-esteem issue or anything like that. I'm fine. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that smart. I don't think I'm that lucky. So I think I need to work and really dive into everything I do. And for people that can just do it by just waking up and doing it. Great. I'm not that guy. Like I, I need to work at being a good husband. I need to work at being a good father, being a good coach, all those things I need to put time into. And I don't think I know anything about that stuff. So I think when, when I kind of came in the fold, they saw a guy that was willing to just learn. I love my kids. I love them every, every bit of the way. Like good days, bad days, I'm going to be there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Hope those of you coaching a winter sport are in the midst of a great start to the season. I know my basketball coaching friends are deep into team meals, winter tournaments, and copious amounts of gym floor sweeping. I wish all of you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and as we near 2023, a Happy New Year. Thanks for joining me here again today. As always, a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf and turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by a former MTV writer, I don't think I've ever said that before, and a United States Marine, another cool combo, a Team USA baseball coach and the head baseball coach at St. Joseph High School in California, Brian Madsen. He's one of my favorite examples of how important it is to be humble in our coaching journey, and he's one of those guys who's just absolutely committed to continue learning. He was a longtime assistant coach who had really no ambitions of being the head guy, but here he is entering his second year at the helm and he's off to a great start. And I'm so excited that I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with him. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 76 with Brian Madsen. Hi, Brian Madsen. Glad we could connect. Yeah, it's been a while. We figured it out though. That's good. Yeah, we did. It's good stuff. Like we said off air, it's kind of a cool deal that we get to do this after your first year as a head coach. I wanted to go back a little bit farther, though. Uh, you had mentioned to me, again, like a year ago, that uh, one of your early jobs in life was working for MTV. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you've clicked onto that channel anytime in the last 15 years, but uh, it has changed a lot, I would assume, from when you first were part of it. Right, they should they should call it the Rob Deerdeck channel now. I think, right? <laughs> no kidding. Which is good. That guy, he dominates everything. He's actually really <laughs> great to listen to as far as motivation and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely different. Like um, I was, I was a associate writer on Singled Out, and now the guy I wrote for 
uh, Kevin Indigaro is married to Maria Menounos and has like a reality <laughs> show on E. So it's kind of funny how things go. So I saw him on a game show on the Food Network the other day and I go, hey, I used to write for that guy. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's different. It's definitely different. But I had I don't turn it on. My kids are kind of too young for it. So um, I, I turn it on and ridiculousness is on or something. And it seems to be always beyond. It's definitely a different world now. Yeah, my kid. I remember growing up, uh, I was born in 89. So when I was kind of going through middle school, we, my sister was a few years older than me. And we'd always come home and she'd always turn it on. And it was always TRL every afternoon, just yeah. TRL with, with, with uh, let's just say it's Carson Daly. And uh, Carson I don't know Daly, if there's yeah. any music on anymore. But yeah, no, it was, a, it was a big, big channel for a long time there. Early in the mornings, like I get up pretty early um, to work out. But if you get in there early, sometimes I'll have like metal mayhem or harder. Like they used to have metal mayhem. <laughs> I turned it on. There was a white snake video on uh, the other day and then uh, some other stuff. But every you got to be there pretty early. So it's uh, yeah, those guys were Carson Daly, like nicest guy in the world. How'd that how'd you end up working there? Like, what was that? Was that something you planned on doing in life? Like, how did that process work out? Um, so when I was younger, I, I, I yeah, obviously I played baseball, um, played some college ball for, uh, Larry Lee, who's at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo now, um, who's still like a mentor of mine. I talked to him often. Um, but I was always interested in like create creative stuff, uh, more in the writing than in front, you know, of the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so in high school, um, I kind of decided, well, I'll go to college and I'll, I'll kind of work on creative writing. I was always good at that stuff. Um, and then a buddy of mine, uh, his father produced Boys in the Hood for Castle Rock. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, that's how old I am. I was born yeah. in 74. So <laughs> uh, his, his dad produced uh, Boys in the Hood. So then he goes, well, you can like go to school and waste a bunch of money. And then you end up pulling cables and doing stuff with people that never went to school. Except you paid a bunch of money for a film degree or I can help you out. Um, so then when I got done playing baseball, I only played two years, um, had some injuries, but kind of just lost the interest in it to be, you know, if I'm being honest. Um, he goes, well, why don't you go? There's a movie shooting in Las Vegas right now. I can get you on there. I said, yeah, OK. So did that, and um, it was Showgirls. Remember that movie, Showgirls? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the girl from Saved by the Bell. Um, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? So then after that, that was only there for like a week. I came back, and I started doing just some little stuff. Uh, I was. I was pulling cables, and I was a grip, and I was setting up lights, and I was like learning on the fly. Um, and my mom was sick at the time. At the time, she had uh, brain and lung cancer, and she passed in 98 um and then i got a job around that time um writing i got a job i met some guys they gave me a shot to be an associate writer um on singled out and then i did some stuff on the roseanne bar talk show not her not the tv show roseanne but the yeah. talk show that lasted like three weeks right. um, and then I uh, went and did a film in Boston with Kevin Indigaro. Um, and then I kind of decided just, I, I was kind of lost, like, in a weird way, you know. Like, uh, my mom had passed. I don't know if I really dealt with that. My dad was getting remarried. Uh, 
I had a lot of just stuff to work out, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of what led me to join the Marine Corps. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a deviation into the Marine Corps. But, yeah, I guess I always, it's about writing. I always wanted to do it. Um, and then I got to do it and realized it wasn't all I wanted to do, you know. So. Yeah, your path to coaching baseball is very, very unique. You know, most guys who end up, or even gals too, end up coaching high school sports. It's like very scripted, right. kind of like I did. It's like, all right, I played in high school, played a little bit in college, got my degree to right. teach, immediately went into teach and coach, and that's what you're going to do for the next, you know, 30 years. And for you, it's yeah. like very, very different. It's it's the first part's the same, and then we got MTV, then the Marines, <laughs> and then we're coaching high school baseball. <laughs> and you're yeah. not you're you're not the first guy that I've had who went to the Marines and then and then came back to coaching baseball later in life. Um, and it's right. it, it's an interesting path, but it, it's one that makes sense for some people and it made sense for you. So when you were in the Marines, did you ever think that you'd end up coaching? Uh, no, I thought I would just stay in the Marines. Um, I was pretty good in the Marines. Like I was a good Marine. Um, I played softball for the base team. We were good. Yeah. Um, and then I, I see September 11th happened, um, all that. And then I got involuntarily extended, um, and then I got an opportunity to kind of come back home and work at uh, the all the nuclear facilities were updating their training after September 11th. So it mm-hmm. fit, you know, there's a there's a nuclear facility right by me, Diablo Canyon. Um, and I had a cousin that worked there and they kind of reached out and I got hired there. Um, and it was great. Like. It was good. I was, you know, still carrying a couple guns around and making sure things were safe. And, um, but it, it wasn't fulfilling, you know, um, mm. the Marine Corps is extremely fulfilling because of the camaraderie, the team stuff. And I think that's why I've always <clears throat> been drawn to, to sports. Like, obviously I love baseball. Yeah. I love baseball. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a ton in life, you know, baseball teaches you, but I love teamwork. I love camaraderie. I don't like being, the guy, you know, um, which probably is why I wasn't a, as good as I could have been. There was points where I just didn't want to be the guy, you know, I just want to be a part yeah. of the engine. Um, and so even that at the nuclear facility wasn't super fulfilling. It wasn't, uh, I mean, I was out of the Marine Corps. I still like not to get too deep or whatever, but I was drinking a lot. Um, I said this on Sheets podcast and, and yeah, <laughs> people looked at me like, oh my God, like I, I'm not kidding. Like, and it's nothing I'm proud of, but I was drinking like a bottle of Jägermeister at night. Right. Like, and it, it wasn't good. Like it was a bad, a bad time. <laughs> um, but then at some point, like you kind of just, you wake up and go, there's more, you know? And I think that helps mm, me with yeah. my players now. It's like, I, I can see there's, there's life happening outside the baseball field. And I think I might have a little um, window into that, you know, not not yeah. necessarily they doing that, but you know, kids, kids aren't perfect. And, and no. if you expect them to be perfect, you're going to fall behind. So um, that's that. And then I met my wife and her, I don't know, baseball had always been in the back of my mind. And then um, her cousin is Nick James down in Florida, who, uh, at the time, 
was running a really big high school program. He was doing cannons baseball. And uh, I kind of just said to him, like, man, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be around baseball again. And he's like, then do it. <laughs> you know, like this is not, baseball's not a thing where you got to apply, you know, you can find no. a place to be around baseball. So he helped me out and then back on the, back on the road, man. So. Yeah. That transition uh, into coaching baseball, was it, I guess I'll phrase it this way. Like every once in a while we get guys who come into our, our school or, you know, become teachers around or whatever it might be. And I get connected with them and it's kind of a thing of like, Hey, you used to play baseball. You want to come coach? Cause we always need more coaches. Like we can never have enough. And a lot of right. times there's like this hesitancy of like, well, I've been away from it for like 10 years, 12 years. Like, I don't know that I can bring much to the table in terms of baseball. And it's always, it's always kind of a convincing act of like, you really don't need to know, like this sounds kind of bad, I guess, but you don't really need to know baseball. You need to know like people and like the understanding that right. you can always like learn the baseball stuff later. Did you find yourself like feeling that hesitancy when you were starting into baseball again of like, geez, you know, have things changed a little bit since the last time I played? Oh, so much. Like, um, I, I'll be honest. Like, I think my, one of my first questions like was like, what's perfect game? <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, like <there> you <laughs> the, the thing that's everywhere on social media and tournaments all the yeah. time and is out there. I was like, what is that? Um, so, yeah, like I am the example of that. If you're willing to learn, you're willing to surround yourself with people that are willing to teach you, like you can catch up pretty quick. It's still baseball. It's just the way it's being done is a little different. I have a guy now, um, Eric Morrison, who's coaching with me and he, you know, he played He's got like the home run record at my old school and um, played at Kansas and, and played in AAA and had a little cup of coffee in the bigs. And then even he gets here and he's like, man, the landscape's changed. <laughs> so it changes quick. And I think that's why you have to be willing, even if you've been in it for 20 years, you still better be willing to learn or you're going to fall behind. You know, we can complain about the kids and the landscape all we want, but you better be willing to work with it or you're going to be left behind. Well, you, I mean, you obviously kind of got that learning curve figured out pretty earlier, or at least maybe, maybe not the learning curve possibly, but the, the desire to learn and to try to figure it out as you right. go. Right. So you ended up right. uh, pretty quickly finding yourself then at a Royal Grande high school. How did that move or, you know, from Florida to there, how did that move kind of take place? Um, well, from Royal Grande, um, my wife and I were here, um, I don't even, yeah, we were just married. Um, and they had been asking me, I played at a Roy Grande day at the same thing. Like they had been asking me to coach, asking me to coach. And I just had my son, um, and a buddy actually like cornered us at this like fundraising event. <laughs> and my wife was like, fine, just do it. Like, just do it. <laughs> and then, um, cause I think she could tell like the passion I had for it when, when I was around Mick and, and his stuff. And so, um, my first year, Derek wasn't even a year old. Like that's my son's literally grown up on a baseball field. Like, uh, and I started coaching freshmen. I just coached freshmen, but I, I found, as soon as I started doing it, I found like, I'm not going to be able, I'm going to give all I have to these freshmen, you know? Um, but I'm going to try and, and move up, move up, move up. As far as knowledge base, I never thought I'd leave the freshmen. Like I was fine. I was fine mm -hmm. coaching freshmen. I'm I'm perfectly happy where my feet are. Um, but then 
I got asked to move to JV and then a year later moved to varsity. And, and as that happened, my knowledge base was growing. I was, I was starting to go to the ABCA and I was meeting people like, you know, uh, Butch Chapman and Wes Brooks and Adam Mosley and those guys. And I was being not groomed, but I was getting close with them. Um, I think because I cared, you know, like I was the guy that would just sit there and listen. I would, I wouldn't have anything to say. I think one thing that I learned going through like those bad times in my life that really serves me, um, serves me right. And I don't know if it's right for everybody, but I, I'm like the least important person in my life. I, I really, am. and I don't, I don't say that as a self-esteem issue or anything like that. I'm fine. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm, um, I don't think I'm that smart. I don't think I'm that lucky. So I think I need to work and really dive into everything I do. Um, and for people that can just do it by just waking up and doing it, great. I'm not that guy. Like I, I need to work at being a good husband. I need to work at being a good father, being a good coach, all those things I need to put time into. And I don't think I know anything about that stuff. So I think when when I kind of came in the fold, they saw a guy that was willing to just learn, you know, like my first USA event. Um, it's all Nick. I mean, to be honest, I guess, I don't know if I believe in the word luck, you know, cause I think we put ourselves in positions for opportunities and when they come, luck isn't going to keep you there, you know? Hmm. Um, but he, I got a call from the director of the 12 U and they were doing something in California and they said, Hey, your name came up. Would you like to uh, help out with the 12 U open um, down South? And it's kind of by where magic mountain is Southern California. It's, it's Santa Clarita. Um, and I'm about two and a half hours North of that. And I was going on a family trip to New York. My wife's family's all on the East coast um, that weekend. So I, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe like this is my one shot and I'm leaving. So I essentially wrote him back. I said, I can be there all day and all night Friday. I have to leave Saturday at like one, you know, to get it. I can't get a divorce over this. <laughs> um, and then he was like, yeah, go for it. So I went there and I mean, I was, I had met a couple of them before. Like I had met RJ, um, who I do Coastal Empire with now mm-hmm. and was the 12U manager this year. Got a gold medal. Um, and like one of my best friends, I'd met him in an AB, the first ABCA I ever went to in Anaheim. Um, and then he was there and I got, I'm not kidding. Like I got there and I was like the little kid doing anything. I was setting up tees. I was running equipment around. I was literally just like puppy dog, you know, like I, I if people looked, they'd be like, man, what a kiss butt, like a hundred percent. I am. I'm trying to get in here, you know? So, and I, I'm, I'm getting ready. I told one guy, like, if we need to catch pins, I'll put shin guards on whatever you want me to do. Um, so I guess that left an impression and they called yeah. me back the next year. So, um, and then that just leads to this growth mentality to where now we're doing something with a, a national flair to it. And me coming from the Marine Corps, like obviously a huge point of pride for me. It's just like, I couldn't have dreamed of that stuff. So, um, so then Roy Grandy, I just kept, kept going up and going up and learning more and learning more, you know, Brad Latchman, um, was the head coach there and he was, his father's Marcel Latchman, um, from the angels 
and his uncle's Renee Latchman that was with the Rockies and the Marlins. And um, mm. so I got like a crash course from Brad and Marcel. Um, and I, I was really, really fortunate to be around those guys. Yeah, it's like a almost like taking like a master's level course in coaching baseball. Just all the a lot of the names that you you reeled off and the different experiences that you had yeah. and the humility you had of you know the, the <laughs> you're just not the smartest guy in the room, so you're going to glean as much as you can and and offer as much as you can and even catch bullpens, anything like that. Like I think it's awesome for coaches to hear that and understand that you can you can gain a lot by. <sighs> I don't know if shutting up is the right word, but like asking questions and just being super humble and just seeing what other people know and, and learning from the experience. Because I think a lot of us go into like, I think a lot of us, if they were like, hey, come do the 12 U USA baseball thing. A lot of guys would show up there and like try to prove how much they know about coaching. And it seems like right. maybe the answer is to do the opposite and do what you did, which is you no know, be a be an asset to them in terms of being one of the most helpful guys in the room rather than trying to prove to everybody. Well, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Cause I know you've, you've been around some clinics and stuff. And sometimes you get into small groups with guys and there'll be someone who maybe, maybe a lot of people don't know. And that person feels this immense urge to just talk and share all these things that they know, not to provide yeah. value, but to just prove that they know something as if that's going to suddenly make everyone around them go, Oh, well, this guy must be important. Right. Yeah, I think that's and those. It's funny, like we don't; those guys don't stick. Like they don't, right. you know, they don't stick. And it's some of them are good coaches, but it, especially like the national team stuff. It's not about you. It's not about what you know. It's what can you bring to this puzzle that helps us win a gold medal. And it's not like, and I love that part. Like, just do your part. I love that. Just do your part. You know, um, I don't. I, I don't know. Like, but I didn't. Why would I knew nothing? Why would I go in there to think I knew anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, so I was just a sponge. And to this day, like we have our little Necton group that we have and, and it's, you know, Butch and all those guys and, you know, uh, Chuck Box from Texas A&M and, and Steve Denham, all these guys, there's like 20 of us. And we kind of all got together one time at the ABCA and just started talking. And we realized, like, this is a great group. And, and yet, you know, Thanksgiving came on Thursday. And we have this group chat that we, we rip on each other. But we talk baseball, too. It's, it's a really good group for guys just to be guys or coaches and bounce stuff off. Um, and, and it's funny. Thursday was, like, every single guy was like, hey, thankful to know you guys. So it's this, it's, it's this appreciation, you know. And there's nobody, like. Hey, I'm glad you know me. You know, it's like, it's yeah. great. And I think I was really fortunate to be thrown into a group that, that, uh, really cultivated that and didn't make, didn't hey, make me feel bad. Like I had guys grab me at, uh, my second ABCA was in Dallas, I think Dallas and Tanner Vesely and Dave Webb, like just brought me around like I was their little puppy. And they took me everywhere and they guided me through it. And I was just like, you know, it, it makes me sound kind of pitiful, but I appreciate it. But more still. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like guys like that, that are willing to not make you feel stupid or, you know, like for, to ask um, those questions, like what is perfect game? I mean, I swear I asked that question like 10 years ago and, and now it's, now I'm dealing with guys going to perfect game, you know, and I understand it, but it's, right. uh, it's all because of other people. 
Yeah, I always feel a, a little bit of a debt of gratitude to Butch because when I was first starting this podcast, like nobody knew who I was and that was fine. I was just trying to get interesting people on the show and like early, like I had done two episodes basically and I knew Butch through randomly, you know, responding to Twitter every once in a while. Like it wasn't <laughs> like I ever talked to him and I just shoot him a DM right. like, hey man, I'm doing this thing. He's like, sure, man, what do you need? And like, so... Uh, so giving that he ended up uh, because I had a basically a newborn at the time, kind of like you did. And I uh, was like, dude, the, the, the only time I'm available is like eight o'clock at night. And he's like, that's fine. And so he's talking to me from basically 11 o'clock to like 1230 in the morning, his time over there on the East Coast. And I'm a nobody like he didn't have to do anything like that to me. And he was just amazing. And so like you, you find good people and you have a, a little bit of slice of humility in you and you can you can really learn a lot of stuff from guys who have seen it and done it and who probably have known what perfect game is since before it was even created. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Like I was, I remember Nick telling me there's this team called the San Diego show. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. right, one of the best teams in the nation. Like, oh, okay. Um, I'm sure that's it's like, real. Yeah. I'm surrounded by those guys and Butch is the best. Like Butch, I could call Butch right now and ask him something and he would be on it. You know, it's like, yeah. And they're not afraid to share and they're not too proud to say like, this is how I do things. How do you do things? Oh, that's better, you know, or, oh, that doesn't work for me. It's, 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 um, it's really, really fortunate to have that type of group. Um, and like my friendship with RJ and, and, you know, that's kind of, and now our wives are good friends. So when we do USA stuff, you know, they can hang together and, and, it, and it's a great little community. And now actually we, we fly to Aruba on Monday to do a USA mm -hmm. clinic, <laughs> RJ and I too. So, right. um, yeah, it's tough, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, you've been on a couple of podcasts before when you were an assistant coach at Oreo Grande. So I don't, I'm not going to go too deep into that and I'll link those podcasts down below. They're phenomenal. You know, Trey. And then obviously the one with Sheets was great. Um, so I want to then turn the focus to, you know, so you were an assistant coach for quite a while and obviously it kind of speaks to your humility and the idea of kind of building stuff. And I remember when you were on Trey's podcast a couple of years ago, you had talked about how, you know, I, you were kind of, you, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, you know, I don't know if, if head coaching is something I'm really interested in doing, or at least right now. And then probably a few months later, you're hired as a as a head coach. So I want to kind of turn to St. Joseph. So you know, you it's kind of funny we started the show that right of like um, you know in your first year, you like yeah. all of us, you're just kind of figuring it out as you go, and and it just a lot of the things you don't know what you don't know, and uh, but you end up as the head coach at St. Joseph entering year two. So what led you to the decision to become a head coach, right? Because you've been assistant coach for a while, obviously had USA baseball going on, like things were going great for you. What was the decision? What led to you to kind of decide it was the right time to become a head coach? Um, well, there was a few, I mean, I, I, especially, and I meant it. Like I was, like we said about coaching freshmen, I'm a, I had like one of those things I was taught really early by Butch and those guys, like, be happy where your feet are. You know, like mm -hmm. I was, I was stoked being around baseball, being a freshman coach. Um, and then I don't, I just thought being an assistant was a part of the engine. You know, I didn't want to be the guy. I didn't want right. to, I, I, I didn't, part of me didn't want to deal with the admin stuff. Um, um, I got to teach baseball. I got to really have relationships with the kids. Um, I got to get in there and really grind with them. Um, and that's why I said, I just want to teach baseball and help men help, you know, players become better young people. Um, 
And then Brad retired in the COVID year. Latchman retired the COVID mm-hmm. year, and we were really good. We we were, we had been building something for a few years, and it we were good. Like we were undefeated um, when they shut the season down, which was the end of his twentieth year, which was kind of a bummer because I I had like my idea like this is the one he's going to walk out on top. We're going to win a ch- CIF championship. He'll retire. It'll be the movie, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then I always have those stories in my head. Maybe I'm still a writer at heart. Um, yeah, maybe. But then uh, the next year, um, Steve Tolley took over, who uh, was a really good guy. Um, he had been an assistant at AG for longer than I had, um, and I hadn't made it. I even told him, like I told, I told Brad here, I don't want to be a head coach. I told the admin I didn't want to be a head coach. I didn't put in to be a head coach. Um, Steve was the right hire. Um, and then the next year we were really good again. Uh, we made it to the CIF championship game. Uh, we lost, we didn't play well. Um, and then the opportunity at St. Joe's kind of came, it had come a few years before I had talked with the athletic director. Um, and, uh, it just wasn't the right time. And then it came this time, um, and it felt like there was a little change at Roy Granny. There were some things happening, not bad and not on Steve or anything, but, like, maybe it was just time for a change, you know? Um, and it, it's diff- It's a private school. It's a little different. Um, I was given a lot of freedom to do things. Uh, we're getting a new field, all turf, next year. Um, nice. And and it was, you know, it, to be honest, there's a little more pay involved. Um, my assistants, you know, I could take care of them better. And kind of the freedom they gave me with the program was I could still make a difference in these young people's lives. You know, I didn't have to just be the head coach that had the plan and did this and dealt with this and, you know, all the admin stuff all day. Um, and my wife was on board and I had told so many people for so long that I didn't want to be a head coach that when this opportunity came up, like I had some real long conversations um, with people like RJ or, or, you know, my Necton group. And it was kind of like, if you're going to be a head coach, this might be the time, you know, this might be the opportunity to do it. Um, And it's great. And, and, and I'm really happy I did it. And I've, it's different. It's definitely different. And like we were talking before we started rolling, um, I'm much more organized this year than I was last year. I really, really leaned on those, my friends a lot last year to, Hey, what do you do with this? What do you do with that? Um, yeah. uniforms, balls, all that stuff. Like essentially the things I never wanted to do, but I find like now I'm a lot more organized to do it. So it's, it's a really good opportunity. It's a great school, um, smaller enrollment. So we really have, uh, more of an individualized process to help the kids, you know, like we've had some kids have some family problems that I think may have gotten kind of lost in a school of 3000. Um, but in a school of, you know, 600, you can kind of snuff those out early, get them some help and, and, and really get them going the right way. So, yeah. When, so, I mean, obviously taking over, <laughs> I remember when I became head coach for the first time and I, it was uh, when I took over. It was like in like November, December of a year. It's kind of an interesting situation, and so I kind of came right. in, and uh, it was things of like simple things, like uh, 
did you order hats yet? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to have hats to play baseball. Like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, uh, do, yeah. do you need new rakes? Like, are, do you have rakes that work? Oh, yeah, I guess we probably should check and see if we have – like, there's just a bunch of, like, annoying right. little things that as an assistant coach – so I, there's, I love being a head coach, but there's sometimes certainly days where, like, man – there was something really magical about showing up to the yard and, and just getting to, like you said, just getting to teach baseball. That's just, it's just different yeah. when you're head coach. There's so many other things that are part of the process. So looking back as you kind of took over the program, what were some of those first steps that you took of like, hey, you're the head coach now, Brian. Okay, cool. What did you do? Um, so we, we announced I was going to be the head coach. Um, well, you know, I, I was, I believe in being upfront and I, I knew I was going to take the job probably with like a month left in, in our season. And I mm-hmm. told Steve Tolley and I told AG, um, I just wanted to be upfront and they were all really supportive, really, you know, the athletic director, everybody, Roy Grandy was super supportive. And we're in the same league. So, um, uh, I knew I was going, um, they didn't announce it. Let's see, CIF championship game, and then after that game, I left. I mean, the next day, I left for a USA event. Um, then I came back, and I kind of told the AD, like, I need to meet people. I don't know any of these people. They announced it while I was gone, out of town uh, with the national team. Then we had – I mean, I went from – I don't know any of these players. I don't know any of the parents. I don't know anything. I don't know – any of this. And, you know, my summers are pretty busy with USA stuff. So it's not like I could really dig in to the facility, you know, a couple days here, a couple days there. Um, so then I, I had a pizza, like a lunch. I said, whoever wants to play baseball, have them come to the football bleachers at lunch and I'll, I'll have pizza. there. <laughs> so I got a bunch yeah. of pizzas. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. And so, kids showed up that I never saw again, of course, but like I had to get to know these players. And so half of the, you know, the fall was getting to know guys. And then you get into the, the admin stuff like, Oh yeah. What about uniforms? Do we have enough uniforms? Like they had never had this much interest in baseball in a while. So we didn't have enough uniforms. We didn't have enough freshmen. We didn't have a JV. We didn't have varsity had three different sets of uniforms, but not everybody had turned them in from the year before because of how the year ended. So <laughs> I'm trying to piece together uniforms. We don't have hats. The AD, I mean, God bless him, uh, Tom Mott, he's, he's the athletic director and the basketball coach. He's so helpful and whatever you need, let me know. It's But sometimes you don't know what you need. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when, um, <laughs> and next uh, paint for the field. We need to do this. We need to do that. And so I felt like I was from behind all year last year like latchman i would call brad every day i would call brad every day and god bless him he would help me out i mean a guy that coached in high school for 20 years and and um he still teaches at royal granny but he would whatever you need you know he'd call me he'd talk me through stuff and he let me fall on my face with some stuff too you know um i didn't even realize i had to make my own schedule dude like (laughs) i'm such an idiot like I yeah. I'd go to Tom and be like, "How's the schedule looking?" He'd go, "You tell me." I go, "Oh, okay. I better find some games." So yeah. um, now this year, I was done with that. You know, before school starts, I was ready to go. So this year is a little. 
like all those things. And that was one thing that Brad kind of let me fall on my face with um, was that. And um, this year I was done early, um, but God, I would be nowhere without those guys. I mean, there's a lot that goes into head coaching, you know, like there's you guys, a lot that you makes know, like, so much easier, man. That, that first year is, you, it's just, it's insane. Like it's insanity all year. And you're just kind of like trying not to drown. Right. And I was telling the kids the other day, you know, and like this year, you know, who's in the only people, the only new people I need to know are anybody that transferred in or freshmen, everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like I've got, I've built a relationship with, I've, I see, you know, cause I don't teach on the campus. I just coach. So, I mean, I just, you know, I see them around like, Hey, what's up now? Now I have these relationships building. I kind of know what they're about. Um, I can see growth from year to year. And last year was just like new kid, new school, new rules. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I told Morrison the other day, Eric, I said, you, you have, you have the best job in baseball. You get to show up and teach infield hitting and, and get to know these kids. You have no, you know what I mean? It's perfect. That's what I did at a Roy game. It's perfect. But there's also a lot of satisfaction to the head coaching gig too. Um, oh yeah. Is, you know, you know how it is. It, it's, it's really cool to see these kids grow um, and not to be the, the tip of the spear for the name recognition, but because I, I, I'm really fortunate. All my assistant coaches I've been with since Arroyo Grande. I had two assistants um, come with me from Arroyo Grande, my pitching coach, my bench coach, and now Morrison. Um, so I, I'm literally surrounded by people that are all smarter than me. So it makes me look really good sometimes. <laughs> like I'm going to Aruba for a week for this USA thing. And I have zero fear that my team will take a step backwards. Like we'll probably go <laughs> forward. That's hilarious. When you looked at like relations, I, when you had been an assistant coach, right? It's, it's different when you're building relationships with kids. There's something different about not being the guy that writes the lineup about I mean, there's just, it's just different. I feel like it's easier to build relationships with kids. You can have more, sometimes more direct conversations with them. And I know when you're back on Trey's podcast, you're talking about that. Um, you know, now that you're, you've been a head coach for, you know, a year plus heading in, you know, getting into year two and almost getting into the season here in a few months. Did it change the way you thought it would in terms of like building relationships with kids and how it's different as a head coach versus an assistant coach? Or did you find it to be a little bit less true than you thought it was? Yeah, it's less true. I, I thought I would have less contact, but um, I think I still look at it where I'm the I'm the final notch on that ladder up there. So I still need to know all these kids. You know, I still need to have those relationships. And we have a couple difficult situations on our team, um, and I'm I'm right in the middle of those, trying to guide those guys. But I have assistant coaches also that are maybe having those lower level conversations with them with some of the guys before it gets too big or being that year, they can call at night. Um, and they still do with me too, but I still daily like try and walk around, talk to every kid, try and make some physical contact, fist bump, Hey, how's things, you know, how's mom and dad try and I try and ask questions that don't have to do with the field. Cause that's the easy part is, you know, you just watch yeah. the practice, you know, how the field's going, but I, I think you need to, and this is something from the Marine Corps, like the leadership stuff. You better you better be able to look in those kids' eyes and, and see what they're about because, it, you know, these guys' lives are different now. And, and you may see a different look in a kid's eye 
in a day and maybe have to pull that kid aside and talk about something that has nothing to do with baseball. You know, that's, that's where I think you can really make a difference is to know these kids well enough that you look and go, ah, something's up with him today. Let, let me mm-hmm. talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, you know, cause we can, I think the biggest cop out is all these kids are different now. It's like, yeah, we were different too. You know, yeah. I was different too than my dad was. And, and it's just the nature of the beast. And you can either bang your head against the wall or, or you can, you can maybe make kids see why it was better before and have a, have them get a little bit of that knowledge, but understand the world they live in is a lot different than the one we lived in. Like it was for people before us. It's, I mean, you either adapt or you die essentially. Yeah, I just think of like the like you mentioned perfect game. So I think of like just from a a baseball standpoint, like when I was growing up, I don't there weren't like rankings. Like if there were, I didn't know what the hell they were. Like or I certainly wasn't ranked. Yeah. I don't I have no concept of it. Or if you think of like the social media part of the the real world of like, you know, there's kids posting all this stuff all the time and like you don't know like there's something that a kid posts that might be really upsetting for another kid because it's his girlfriend's, you know, post about another right. guy. There's just a bunch of stuff that it's just different. And like you said, man, we could bang our heads against the wall or just understand that it's different. Okay, cool. Well, this is the world we live in now. So here we go. Yeah. Teach them. Like you understand Instagram, whatever you're seeing the best moments of that person's life. Like you don't know what that kid's like when he turns the camera off or, or shoot, I've done it. Like I've put pictures up of (laughs) family pictures where Five minutes before, I had to be talked into taking them because I hate taking pictures. It's like, <laughs> it, it, but if you look at that picture, it's like it's the best time of my life. Yeah. Standing in the middle of the field <laughs> taking pictures, like I hate it. I hate it, you know. Or, <laughs> or there's a there's a picture of me on like the USA website where I'm like clapping and looking at kids. I think I'm telling them they need to work harder. I don't think I'm super thrilled in that picture. Like, <laughs> it's it's. Or, or, oh, this kid's committing here. This kid's committing there. It's like, okay, that's a big yeah. – it's just a show. Like, A, find a way to be stoked for that kid. Find a way to be happy. And then maybe people would be happy for you when you do it. Or don't do it. But understand, that person's life isn't yours. So, I mean, so I, it's, I don't know. We do have, like, a no-phone policy. We have a thing we make all the kids put in when they get to practice. Um, and we try and talk about that stuff. Uh, like we've had kids that have been broken up with for the first time in their life and you could see it at practice and it, it may be mm-hmm. stupid to me and you, but to them it's everything. So you have to give that kid a chance to be a human being and learn from it. Yeah. I think it was, I can't remember. I think I saw this, I think it was a Joe Rogan quote. I might be wrong, but it was something like the, one of the things you have to always remember is basically like the worst thing to happen to someone is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. And it's like, it's so like for, for you, for example, you know, if you, you know, a kid in front of you is we've all had it too, where kids obviously not happy because his girlfriend just broke up with him. It's really easy for us to just kind of brush that side. Like, oh, there's other girls. You'll be fine. Not a big deal. Cause we've gone through other stuff. That's much worse than whatever that is. Right. And it's, sure. it's, it's so easy to just be like, that's what, but for that kid, that's the, this is the worst day of his life right now. At least that's how he perceives it. And so. How do you like, okay, we got to somehow get this kid to turn to be able to focus on baseball today. How do we, how do we do that in a way that's healthy for this particular kid who's going through a time where he feels awful? Right. Or, or like we, you know, the whole, give me, if all you got to 80% today, give me a hundred percent of 80%. You know, I get, yeah. I get, I, I've had those days and it is, it, it's, it's really easy to go. 
you got you guys don't know what hard is. I was in the Marine Corps for six years. You don't know what hard. Well, they don't. They have right. zero idea what that is. Like they have zero um, concept. And I do. I try to use examples from the Marines as far as learning. Um, we just talked about one the other day about keeping our emotions in check. Um, but it's like for me to go, oh, you've never done this or that. Well, yes, neither has ninety five percent of the people in the world. So why? <laughs> Why would a why would a fifteen year old understand that? You know, right now they're sitting where this, what they thought something would never happen to them. So that's very true. Like the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing. And I think that's where we have to try and grow and maybe have some empathy. You know, I still run a very hard program. I run a disciplined program. I don't want you to think like or people to think we're sitting here and we we all come to practice and we hug each other and then we play a little t-ball with smush balls and then we go home like no we have a i got some tough kids and I'm, I'm trying to make kids tougher but to think that there's not a time to give a kid a hug or maybe to talk to a kid like you're incorrect like i love my kids and i love them every every bit of the way like good days bad days i'm gonna be there so i i do think that's part of the evolution is to have some empathy for people So year one, you guys end up, you know, on paper, if you just look at it, it's like, well, losing record wasn't a great year. But then when you start dissecting it, you start seeing some pretty interesting things and some pretty cool things, right? So you, you know, finishing the year in the last 17 games with a winning record, you obviously get into the playoffs, you beat the bar none, the number one team uh, that you would have in the whole deal, right? That you had lost to earlier. They were 28-0, you beat them. So you walk away from the year and it's really easy for someone to look at it on paper and go, eh, not yeah, losing record. It's not great. But then you start dissecting. You're like, wow. And then you kind of look at the way the schedule worked out. And you're like, man, from the outside, as I'm just looking through that, I'm like, something happened halfway through the season where something clicked for this team. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I don't know if you know what it was, but something changed where all of a sudden, like, something happened. And I know part of it is obviously when you look at the schedule, you did not shy away from scheduling some difficult games. You talked about like you, you gave your kids the ringer to start and just, let's just see how we do. But obviously it's still, even with that, something happened in the season where something changed. Were you able to figure out what that was? Can you identify that? Or did it just happen over, you know, just organically? Um, I, I mean, I, I think it, it, it's a couple different things. I think we had, um, we were really, we, we still are, we're really young. I started three sophomores and three freshmen last year. Um, my starting catcher was a freshman starting first baseman was a freshman. Um, Jason Rodriguez, he's a two year USA, uh, NTIS finalist in North Carolina. Um, my starting catcher, Nico Panato was a maybe my best, you know, one of our best pitchers, definitely probably best catcher. Um, one of the top two catchers in our league. Uh, my third baseman and pitcher was a sophomore. Like, I, we were really young, really young. Um, and so, and some of the kids came when I went to that school. Um, I think having USA Baseball next to my name doesn't hurt. Um, but, at, like, it was like we talked about, like, it, there was a lot of getting to know each other, getting to do this, do this. And then there's, you know, trust comes over time. And that's one thing my assistants and I talked about when we got here is they we need to let them learn to trust us too. We're new to them too, you know. I'd known a couple of the kids for a while, but they still need to trust us. And then um, 
we are like you said our schedule i mean we played like four top 25 in the nation teams well, I, I, like the first when i looked at there like I had to double check and be like, Marcus, like you got, no, you wouldn't schedule yeah. like Marcus, oh, yeah. for, like with Sherman's oh, group. And I'm like, that can't be. I'm oh, like, yeah. nope, it was. <laughs> oh yeah. So, and I think like we, so that tournament was down to, and we're going again in Arizona this year. We're going to go yeah. uh, the same turn, you know, a PBR tournament. We're going to Arizona in February and we're going to play some good teams. And I think what we saw there, we lost those games, but we were in them competitively and we were in them until we made like one young mistake, right? And then it kind of the wheels come off a couple of them. But we were in games. I think we saw like we could play with these guys. We played the one game out of all those games. I mean, the scores may look different. The Stockdale like crushed us. It was it wasn't even close. We drove to Bakersfield to get beat up and sent home, and then mm-hmm. um, and then we came back and we had some close games. We had some games that that guy, we had guys on that could win the game in the last inning or, or, or just young mistakes, you know, a dumb play here, a bad uh, decision here. And then uh, we actually started Arroyo Grande. We played Arroyo Grande in league, uh, my old school, and we lost by one run at their place and they were good. Um, and then we were ahead of them by six runs at our place in like the fourth, fifth. And the wheels came off. We made a couple bad plays, and ball gets start getting thrown around, and emotions, and um, you know that was not good. So then something happened. We lost two games to Rigetti, and I mean we lost. I think we lost eleven games in a row. Um, and I've never done that in my life. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, like that as the head guy, you don't. I didn't sleep a ton. You know, there was some phone conversations between Brad Latchin and myself at two in the morning. God bless him. Like, <laughs> and then there were, like you said, there there were times where I just had to sit in it. And then we kind of started focusing on little things. We 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 played um, Rigetti. Um, we lost. They and they were good. They won the league and they won CIF. Um, and we had two. We had two kids that transferred. To me, one came from Roy Grandy, who was a sophomore, um, and they were just dogs. They weren't the best players on the team. It's not like we had two transfers come and they were, you know, Aaron Judge. Um, they just had a different attitude. They were just there to compete and fight, and they brought that to the rest of the team. I mean, these two poor, poor two kids had to sit in the dugout and watch because of the transfer sit-out rules, and they were dying inside when we were losing. Um <laughs> And then we had a meeting and we literally just said, let's get better at two strike hitting tomorrow. Let's just get better at two strike hitting. Let's have an approach. And we beat Rigetti, who was a good team. And it was like we won the World Series. Um, <laughs> and then I think we started gaining confidence, like, oh, we can. And we won the next, we won the next three games. We kept winning, kept winning, kept winning. So then we started playing so good that we got moved up a division in CIF playoffs. And that's when we got put against Kerman, who was 28 Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) And they were good. Like, they were good. But we had played with them early in the year. We we lost to them, I think, two to one in extra innings. And for some reason, even their coach, God, you know, 
Jared, he, he told me going into that week, he goes, man, this is, this is not a normal number one, number 17 matchup or whatever it was. <laughs> and I go, you know, I, I try and whatever, but I had a feeling like, I think we can win this game. Like I just thought we could, we were a different team than we were earlier in the year. Um, and we did, we went over to Kerman and we beat him. We took down the big guys and it was, and we played really good and everything, even from like back picks on bunts, rundowns, everything we had worked on and banged our head against the wall on all year came into play. Two strike hitting, freshmen hitting doubles to put us ahead. Um, they made mistakes. We took advantage of it. We didn't make mistakes, you know, um, and it was great. And it, it was, I don't think I'd have done it a different way. Now, it's not very fun to lose all those games. I'm not going to lie to you. No. Uh, and it's really hard to try and keep a cool head and be the leader of the ship when it's that way. Um, and my poor wife and kids, God bless. And I always tried, you know, Chuck Box told me that, like, leave your leave your worries in a worry tree outside. Don't bring them in the house. Um, but there there were times when the leaves of that worry tree were in my pocket when I walked <laughs> in the house. So, and yeah. then we lost in the quarterfinals to Central High School, who's a really good program. Lost by one run. I mean, we played good. So I think now going into this year, there's a different level of confidence. Kids are a year older. Um, I think we're going to be tough. I think we're going to be tough for the next couple of years. So Yeah, a lot of those small mistakes start going away. We had similar issues this year, really young team. And same thing. We had like, I think, eight or nine losses of one run or something like that. Just like you walk away from the season and then you kind of look back and you're like, we're, we're actually a lot closer than we think we are. And it's just like yeah. little tiny things, clean it up. Like you said, just, Hey, today we're going to focus on two strike hitting and tomorrow we'll be just a tiny bit better. And maybe that's the difference in a one run game. And you start building 100%. that confidence and like, you know, you get to the end of the year and obviously you guys finish on a, a pretty good note heading into the mm -hmm. off season. So for, for you guys, as you kind of evaluated things and kind of looked forward to the offseason that we're currently in, what were some of the things that you planned to do differently or, or currently are doing differently than you did one offseason ago in your first year? Uh, well, I think like we talked, organization's a big one. Um, I, you know, last year it was about kind of changing the culture. You know, and RJ mm -hmm. Farrell, when I talked about this, and, and he goes, oh, excuse me. Um, First year, he changed the culture. Second year, because we were losing a lot of 50-50 games. And he said, your first year, you're going to lose those games. You're going to change the culture. You have to make all the process stuff the most important. You know, make sure we do everything the right way, you know, and let the results fall where they may. Um, this year, it's winning those 50-50 games. You know, like Last year was just change the culture, change the culture, change the culture. This year, there's a definite culture change. You see guys that have been in the program holding other guys accountable. Um, there's, uh, you know, from my end, I'm a better coach. I'm more organized. Um, we, my pitching coach is uh, locked in. You know, they're always, my bench coach is locked in. We all have a year under our belt at a new place. Um, Eric Morrison coming in to help us is huge um and now it's like hey let's do the things to win those 50 50 games you know there's some people talking about how we're going to be good we're going to be this and we may be but we i don't know we're just worried about let's just have a good practice today and get better today and, and see what happens on the field but there's definitely a better feeling around the program today 
So yeah, that's good, and it's it's a cool feeling, I'm sure, especially when you think about how you're not too far removed from getting turf eventually and i was just it's funny because i've been our field needs some work so you know we were just replacing yeah. like uh, even like the irrigation well behind the the pitcher's mound for our hose and then we've got to replace right. the stanchions for the bases this week and i it just like it just adds up and there's always more and more to do and i always dream of what it must be like to have a turf field where like you show up for practice and you just set up for practice and then go and then you're done with practice and you put the stuff away and then you leave. And it's like, man, that with that 15 to 20 to 30 minutes a day, that's got <laughs> to add you. up a lot. Like, that's amazing. Like, so uh, how excited are you <laughs> to get turf going on? I'm excited. And, and, you know, we're just doing all the, all the meetings and everything. And the, uh, the, the, the drawings have been done and it's going to be really cool. Um, and there's some excitement in the, in the, uh, community and this is a i mean there's some places out there that can just go you know hey let's just spend three million dollars and and do it well this is a community base where you have people kind of helping with uh, services and engineering and, mm-hmm. and and not just throwing a ton of money at the program like there's a lot of money that it takes but there's also people trying to help with construction and stuff like that. So it's a really good community-based project um, that that is cool, you know, and it's going to be great for the kids. And I don't know. I mean, it's – there's pluses and minuses. I love a grass field, but I hate field work. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> like you said, I you know, we got to get ready for BP. We got to drag. We got to do this. We got to chalk. We got to paint. We got to – it's like – it never ends. You got to mow. You know, I'm really lucky to have some people help me with that, but it's uh, it'll definitely be a new world. Also, passionate. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've I've listened to you talk before about that I I'm really interested in I've is infield play. And a, a few years ago, mm-hmm. I think as the head coach, it's kind of interesting because you kind of a lot of us have to change our. I don't know, specialty is the right word, but change kind of our focus during practice, depending on what our assistant coaches' strengths are. And so, like, you know, right. some years we'll have assistant coaches who are amazing with outfielders, and I don't have to think about outfielders. So for the last two years, I haven't even thought about outfield play, like, at all. Like, I don't position them. I don't coach them during game, like during practices. I've got my guy. He does all that. Like, I really don't have to worry about outfielders. And same thing with, you know, it kind of rotates around sometimes based on the personnel you have. Um, so for me, I, I did outfield for a little while um, when we didn't really have an outfield guy. And then I was able to switch into infield play a couple years ago, which is what I'm much more comfortable with and um, have learned a lot over over the last few years, too, and, and just following a lot of different people. I know you're passionate about infield play. What are some of the like main resources that you've learned from, or especially guys too when you've tried to kind of figure out the best way to teach infielders yeah i think and that that was a huge change this year um for me last year it was i had a good outfield guy um steve mosley's a great outfield guy his brother sean mosley's my pitching guy like i don't worry about any of that stuff i don't i honestly like i if if i have to start handling pitching we're not going to be very good um <laughs> i am not a great pitching guy um if trying to think now this year with Eric coming in, it takes a lot of pressure off me infield wise. Um, I can kind of bounce. I can take care of some things that help us be more organized. I have, you know, I can, I can almost go, Hey, let's do this with infield today. 
um, what do you think? Or, Hey, can you handle infield today? I got to do this. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's nice. Uh, as far as me, I've man, lucky, I, you know, RJ and I are kind of infield obsessed. We always have Mm -hmm. been. Um, he's, he's, he's one of the best infield minds around like to, to have him to go on and, and bounce stuff off, uh, Chuck box, um, those guys really good infield wise. I think the big thing with infield is we, we kind of live in this time where we want to control everything. We want to control how they do this, how they do that. This is, you have to let the kid be an athlete. Some kids are really good at coming on the run and making one handed plays, Right. And it may not look like the typical perfect two hand infield square up that has been taught. Well, we have to give that kid the best chance of success. I'm not saying we don't work on the other stuff, but let the kid be an athlete. Let the kid move around. Let the kid show what tools he has God given. And then let's work on those other fundamentals, which obviously they have to have a fundamental base, but let's not take the athlete out of the athlete by making him do something that he's not necessarily built to do. You know what I mean? I have a, a, um, God, I have a shortstop who's six foot two, uh, the freshman who was my starting uh, first baseman last year. I have two different shortstops that will run out there. I have Caden Cuccia, who's about five nine, and I have Jason Rodriguez, who's six two. They do things differently. You, if I tried to make them play like each other, it wouldn't work. You know, there are some fundamentals. However, what does a kid do well, and let's really focus on that, and then we'll focus on what you don't do well, also. But let's let that kid has some success, you know, um, the smaller guy really has to get his legs going a lot more and get to balls earlier. Um, the other guy kind of, it's a different animal, you know? Um, I do think that they need to be put in high intense, fast paced situations. So the game actually slows down, um, for them when it's game time. I've always said that, like, if I can coach well enough, to where I can just sit back and be useless during the game, and I've done my job. Right. Like, I want to coach so well that I'm useless. So if I can coach myself out of a job, then I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So. Well, you, I mean, you were an assistant coach for a long time, too. And so, yeah. like we talked about, like, you were able to – and it's kind of come through in this conversation, obviously, of, like, being a helpful person, filling in, like, finding ways to you know like you mentioned with USA baseball like I'll put on shin guards and catch yeah. whatever um so I, I want to look at kind of the opposite side of that so from the from a head coach's standpoint now that you've been a head coach for a little bit and then you know adding that to your experience as an assistant coach for quite a while how can head coaches be good for their assistant coaches like how can they help their assistant coaches and and give their assistant coaches an experience that's that's valuable and, and helps their assistant coaches feel like they're also valuable to the team. Well, I, I, I tell you what, and it's it, it is they're the most valuable to the team. I mean, you're you're only as good as your assistant coaches. There's only so much of you that can go around. I don't. I I do. I think I'm a good coach because I'm surrounded by good coaches um, and good players. I think that they need to have some ownership. I think you need to have the guts to give them ownership. Um, like with Sean, our pitching stuff, it's on him. And that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing, you know, and he's hard on himself, but that's good. He cares. 
um, outfield stuff. Like you said, I don't, I may go, Hey, what are we doing in outfield today? Or, um, Hey, I noticed in this, we weren't going back on balls. Great. And 90% of the time, Steve and I are on the same page. Um, Sometimes like with infield, it's just letting, if Eric thinks we need to do something, then I'm just a fungo hitter. Like, let me be this, let me be the assistant for a while. How can I help you? Um, coach them so they can have their own programs. Uh, I, I I don't know how long I'm going to do this. I don't know how long when my son starts playing. I don't know if I want to coach my son. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I've seen it go really bad for some people. Um, or, you know, maybe I want to coach my daughter <laughs> in dance. I don't know. Um, but I think you have to give them ownership. You have to give them trust and you have to make them feel like they're driving the, the, the ship too. At the end of the day, it's on me. Um, but like I said, I have no problem leaving to be gone for a week and knowing these guys are going to run it because they've, they've shown me that they care about this program as much as I do. So I, I, that's the big deal. I was like, give them some ownership. Same thing with players. Give them ownership. You want them to care, let them be a part of the solution. You know, like don't be sitting on the top of the high horse calling out what we're going to do all the time. I mean, it's on us, but the outfield coach should know what the outfielders need to work on more than I do. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? I would hope so. You know, I mean, yeah. And I learned that and that was, I, I and, and I give Brad a lot of credit for that. When I started doing infield stuff um, at Arroyo Grande and I think he could see that I knew what I was doing, then he was very he gave me a lot of freedom he gave me a lot of freedom with base running too i do some stuff base running that's kind of weird well we had freedom because it it made the kids buy in and and um and and i think that's that's where you feel good as an assistant is when the head coach goes hey i trust you go get it man you know mm-hmm. what's one of those weird base running things you um our breakdowns at first base we kind of chop step and turn our shoulders and we do an inside move to go to second um, instead of turning to our left, we break down and, and our shoulders actually square towards the foul line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we decide to go to second, we drop the inside foot and go inside. I've, it's one of those things I've timed and it's faster that way. But even if it's not, it's something that we do that's unique that the kids buy in on. You know, even if it's a tenth of a second slower, they think it's it's our thing. You know, it's part of that culture. Like, it's our way of doing it. Yeah, there's something special about that when you have a, a group that does things a little bit different, whether it's like mm-hmm. a, a certain pickoff move you do or a way you, um, I don't know, a way you walk up to the plate, a way you walk away from the plate, like whatever it might be. There's something kind of cool when a team kind of goes about it of like, this is this is who we are, this is what we do, because it's just who we are and what we do. Right, and we're all doing it together, and it doesn't matter what people think. Like, we're this is our thing, you know. Um, I, I and that's weird. I guess that's I don't know how weird that is, but we'll we'll do we just I don't know. We do our th- if a kid has an idea, then we try it out, and if it, it usually is not great, but we let's give them some <laughs> ownership in their team. So yeah, give it a go. We've had um, a lot of conversations over the years about when you're at first base and like you know what do you look for you know on on a pitcher right. you know are you looking at the shoulders? Some guys really like looking at their feet. Um, and we've we've done it before where we've had that thing where a kid's like, well, I think this way is actually I'm better at this way. And it's like, all right, well, this is actually really easy to test. Let's go test it and time it and just see. 
and whatever is faster for you, let's go with that. Like, whatever works for you. Like it, it doesn't have to be, right. um, it doesn't have to be necessarily mandated from the top down. If there's something that a kid brings to the table where it can make us better, it can make him better. Yeah. <laughs> let's find out. hundred percent. Like don't be stuck on, well, we do this. Like, well, I don't know. Maybe we don't, maybe we should try something else, you know? Um, I, that's the part as a head coach where you have to be able to be a little bit humble, be a little bit, put your pride aside. And even sometimes when you think, Oh, this is a bad idea. Well, let's see and be willing to be proven wrong. Like I'm, I'm fine. If I, if, if I think we do it with players all the time, there's, there's kids that I think there's, there's no way that kid's going to make this team. And then my pitching coach would go, I think he's got something. I think he's got something where he can be a valuable asset to this team. And I hate cutting kids. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It makes me sad. makes me cry. makes me nervous. makes me, gives me anxiety. And, and if we can find a way for a kid to be able to tell his kids down the line, like, Oh, I played varsity baseball. Then great. I mean, that doesn't mean I keep everybody. I don't, but I do try and think about, I don't want to, I don't want to one of these kids to go, oh, I didn't get to play baseball, I got cut. It's going to happen. But if I can find a way for somebody to be functional, as Butch said, for my worst player to be better than your worst player, then like we're given, it seems like a small thing. But if that dad could tell his kid, oh, I played varsity baseball and it lets the love of baseball grow in a kid, then it's worth it, right? I mean, I know we can't keep everybody. I know that. Like, and I, and I don't, but even kids I cut, I try and keep them as a part of the team. I try and keep it some managerial part or an analytics division, you know, like get them shirts and, and make, let them do charts and make them feel important because they are important. Like they're important. Kids need to be included in things these days, you know? So I wish I could yeah, keep them all. I just can't. It's, it's funny you mentioned Butch because as you're saying that, it made me think of something that Butch has said before which is one of the things that every kid's going to need in your program is hope, right? Like this idea of just, right. hey, I'm going to sit on the bench all day, every day for eternity. There's no hope in that. And so I kind of, I've kind of looked at cutting kids the same way. Cause for me, it's the same thing. It's excruciating. I don't sleep much that week of tryouts. I, I hate it. I get really anxious. Like you said, like I, I can, when we're ending, getting close to the end of the day and it's time for me to go and have those conversations with some kids, it takes, I have to like amp myself up to be able to pull that kid out and be like, Hey, you know, I, we just can't find a role for you. And so I, 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 with you, I hate cutting kids. We do it. I don't like it. I don't want to, but we do it. And so one of the ways that I've kind of looked at cutting kids is in that same kind of vein of like, is there any hope whatsoever that this kid, not necessarily that he's going to play, but is there any hope that this kid's going to be able to provide value to us and Mm -hmm. also that he's going to find that work valuable. So like you're saying, if that means, I guess we're kind of cutting a kid, but if he wants to stick around as a manager and he's good with that and he's going to run like a video camera and he's going to take ownership of that and love it. And can I see him loving that? And can he see himself loving that? And it brings value to him and makes him feel valuable and brings us value because we need someone to do that. Like that's a win for everybody. And so I've, I've kind of tried to phrase it in my own mind of like, okay, how can I give kids hope while still being really honest with them about like, look, you, you're, you're not really going to play. So we need to make sure we understand that from the get go. 
Yeah, I, it, it's, and it's honesty. It's being honest with them, and it's also kind of being honest up to that point with them. Like we, we're going to probably have some meetings when I get back, and and there'll be some things I'll probably say to kids that they don't want to hear. Um, not that we're cutting anybody yet, uh, but I, I I just want kids to know where they're at. Like I don't. <sighs> You know, there's going to be some people that don't like me. I'm fine with that. Um, I just read something Brett K said, like parents, parents want the eight best players and their kid to play. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that makes sense. I get that. <laughs> I, I do. As a parent, I get that. But um, I I don't know how else to do it. You have to be honest with these kids. And, and I have, I, 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 on the other hand, I have assistant coaches that are, just bound and determined to get the most out of these guys, no matter mm-hmm. what their level of play is. And they treat everybody the same and they work a hundred percent with every one of these kids. And we've had a couple kids that I thought were going to get cut. That's like, maybe this, maybe this kid's a sidearm thrower, you know, <laughs> maybe this, and, and it works out and, and they have some, some purpose and meaning. Now, um, there are kids that we're going to have those conversations about being part of our quote unquote analytics department or, um, Mm -hmm. which is important, like charts and things like that. They're all important. So, I mean, honesty, you have to be honest. It's not fun, but that's part of the job, you know, that's it's, and you mentioned that it's, it's, I am in the middle of that struggle too, of the, like the way we run off season stuff at our at in our school and district and state, it's kind of like an open gym situation where anyone can come. There's no like barrier of like, hey, right. I want to come to this baseball workout. Say, well, you can't because I don't think you're ever going to play baseball here. Like we don't. Anyone who wants to show right. up, like theoretically, can as long as they're not you know causing problems or anything. And right. it's it's difficult because you get kids who are like we'll get kids sometimes who were cut as freshmen. And maybe even had the courage to try it again as sophomores. And so they're, they got cut as a freshman. They didn't really get better. They're coming to all these workouts and we're trying earnestly and honestly to get, help them get better. But at the same time, there's that part in the back of your head where you're like, dude, I don't think this kid's, I don't think this kid's right. going to be able to be part of our program. And it's, it's figuring out how to have that conversation with them of like, I'm not cutting you today because it's November and that, that's that'd right. be ridiculous. But also, just let's be really realistic about where we are and kind of look around the gym and, and do you see yourself as one of those top, you know, 15 players in the sophomore class or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's trying right. to have these conversations to help ease the potential conversation that's going to happen during tryout week where you're, some kids are just going to be devastated. Yeah, I, I, and that's it. So my, our thing is, especially as a private school where people pay to come to school, um, we want kids to have experiences. I want, so my thing is, and I'm the same thing right now. If you want to try and play baseball, like I'm not going to stop you from coming up. If you're a danger to yourself or others, right. we'll probably have a conversation. Um, <laughs> yes. If, yeah, if you're going to get hurt, then we'll have a conversation. If you're a freshman and you want to play baseball and you're not a danger to yourself, I'm probably going to keep you at the freshman level. Um, as that goes up, it becomes more and more competitive. If, if I don't necessarily see you being a varsity player, then we'll probably let you go from JV. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 
However, there's been kids on JV that I thought we were going to cut and ended up being our starting center fielder and played college baseball. Yeah. So you have to really watch that. You have to look for something there, you know. Um, that's why it's so good. Like you're saying, I, have assistant coaches who look for, who are looking for that, of that potential of like, yeah. I don't know, Brian, this, there, I see he might be good at this one thing. It's like, all right, okay, I'll listen. Yeah. Like we're, I, I need to figure out, like we're getting close to figuring out who's going to Arizona in February. That's an expensive trip. People need to plan it, you know? So I, I need to know who we're taking. Um, and, and we've had a really good influx of young players. So we'll have some freshmen on JV. Um, I don't know about freshmen on varsity this year, um, but it, it's, it, it, it is nice to be able to go, I don't know, this kid may have something. Let's give him a year at JV and see. So, mm-hmm. and, and you know that that summer between that sophomore and junior year, if kids get in the Huge. weight room, it's like, whoa, you know, um, that's a big year. So, um, it, that's not the fun part, but, but it is part of the deal. I do. I mean, even any kid that I'm going to cut, I will give them an opportunity to stay a part of the program. So, I mean, that could be pie in the sky dreams, but that's the way I want to <laughs> do it. Yeah, I think it makes everybody better if that kid's someone who's going to bring value, right? And and it's cool for them because they get to be part of something and that they wanted to be part of. And it's cool for right. you because you get help with some things that otherwise you might not get, like certain charts and things might go uncharted or you have to kind of mm-hmm. figure out the trading of like, you're going to chart this inning and the next thing of this kid chart. And then if he goes in the bullpen to warm up, then you're going to chart. And it kind of eliminates right. a lot of that nonsense and makes life a little bit more... I don't know, more streamlined, easier. I guess it's probably a good time sure. to ask this question. Like as you're as you're looking at like high school sports, like what is what is our role? Like what's the point of high school sports? Like because I think we're kind of hitting on that and kind of walking around that circle right now. High school sports. I think um at the wide, very you know, the widespread parachute level look is to um my my role, and I, 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 if you're going to be a major league player, that's going to be something that's freakish inside of you or something that you have. I can maybe help with that a little bit, but mostly the best thing to do is try and make you a good uh, husband or father. Like that's – I got a much better chance of making husbands and fathers out of everybody than, than making a major league baseball player out of everybody. Um, and and – Listen, I'll have if you can play. Like I'll have, I'll I'll take a a girl on my team. I'll do that. Mothers and daughters, you know, that that's fine too. Mothers and wives, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Like I think we have to start building some form of functional adult uh, first, and then the rest will come. Now there's a there nobody who ever wants to talk about. It. There's an element of winning here. There is an element yeah. of competing and winning. Like we had that conversation too. make no bones about it. We are here to win varsity level is here to win. The other levels I'm there to develop players varsity level. I'm here to win, but all in all, I'm going to say Joe's baseball program is to give these kids a great experience so they can go out in the world and give other great experiences and be better people. Um, but we're here to win. Like let's not, let's not forget about that part, you know? So I think that's the, that's the part where especially at the varsity level we're here to compete and win and i need people that want to compete and win 
whatever that role may be on our team, if it's keeping charts, if it's being a backup, or if it's being a starting center fielder, shortstop pitcher, whatever, I need you to compete and win, or I need to find someone that wants to. doesn't make you a bad person. Just, you know, we're here to win. Yeah, it reminds me of for a while there, there was that conversation happening a few years ago of like, well, we're focused on development. Oh, well, we're focused on winning. So uh, you can you can focus on both. Like you can develop good people yeah. and also focus on winning because ultimately if you're just making good people and you're ignoring the competing and winning part, are like, are you really making good people? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're making good people, but you, you might be... You might be slowing down their ability to compete in life, right? Or 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 to do some pretty sure. special things, or even you know even this this small goal of being good on a baseball field. Like you might be robbing them of some things if you are just phrasing it in terms of development and maybe not thinking about the winning part of things too. Yeah, and I, I like that. I I think you can do both, and, and baseball is the great teacher. It's the one sport that you really can't out muscle. You can't. Uh, out athlete, right? We talk about the process, the process, work the process, work the process, work the process. Well, we're working the process so we get the best opportunity to win. We're working the process because over time, that's what gives us success. Um, mm. And that's life too. Like you, you don't get rewarded right away in life. Sometimes you have to grind and fail and fail and fail until you succeed. That's where That's where the baseball life teaching is good like it's okay to win in life it's okay it's okay to be successful um but i think that's where i I tell my kids hey if you stay with the process if you stay with doing the right things more times than not you're going to come out on top and um so there is that development winning piece that kind of runs hand in hand you know it's funny. I had uh, we had an assistant coach for a number of years, and uh, he served in the in the military overseas, and um, came back and it wasn't a great like wasn't like the best baseball you know knowledge person in the world, but man, he could coach, and he was amazing to have around the kids and some of the things he says and shares and helps with. And one of the things he always used to say was this: I'll butcher it, but it was essentially like they're. He's like, there are winners in life. Like, don't listen to anything that tells you there aren't. He's like, there, there are people who win and you want to be those people and kind of set yourself up to be that person later in life. And so it, it was it was a really good, like, refreshing reminder for all our guys because so much of our verbiage is about, like, the process and developing and everything. But right. he was always really good about reminding the kids, like, no, no, no. When we step on the field, we're here to win. Like, there's nothing else we're here to do at that point. When the game starts, it's time to win now. And it's like, okay, you can compete. There are winners and that's, that's okay. And I think for a lot of kids, I don't know why. And it's not a kid's thing. Again, it's not like, well, kids these days, but it's just like a lot of us, I guess, have maybe lost sight of like, there are people who win in life and and that's okay. Yeah. But I think even that it's easier, it's easier to go, well, we're not going to win, but you know, we're developing good kids. Well, you could do both. You can't, you know, and there's going to be teams that are better than you. There are. There's going to be more talented teams. There's going to be better coaches, but that's the whole thing. Like why, why do we work the process? We work the process because that process shows over time that leads us to success. If it doesn't, then get a different process. Like, yeah, that's why we're working. We're not working the process just to feel good, you know, or just like life. Why, why do you work out every day? Why do you save money? Why do you invest in your relationships? 
because over time that shows that's what gives us the best life. And I think if we sit, it's a, it's a mentality that's in us. My, my son is the most competitive kid I know. He hates losing. And, and I've talked to so many people. It's not always great. Like board games get a little excessive at the match. Sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, I want you to hate losing. I ha- want you to hate losing. I just want you to not react. You know, there's a difference. I want you to not throw <laughs> a fit is. when you lose, which we're getting better. He's only seven. But he told me the other day, like, he lost his playoff football game. His little flag football. We were in the car and he says, Dad, it makes me sick in my stomach to lose. And I said, I get it. I said, it makes daddy sick too. Good. But you just can't throw a fit, which he did. He was really good. He was really composed. I go, you just can't throw the, you know, Candyland board when your sister beats you. Like, <laughs> you know, you can't do that. And I think we are, we're, we're, it's easier to lower the standards than to tell kids, no, we need to do better. Right. So that's where I think we're at, where the development process, part of the development process is developing winning people so why take that out of the equation yeah that's a good point i uh i want to thank you for for coming on i I know we had we had tried to do this a number of times i think i canceled like four or five times probably every time was related to something my child was doing he just turned three recently so it's been a crazy life but um i'm glad we were able to connect and get this thing rolled and man when you talk about coaching your own kid like that's something i'm a long ways away from that and who knows if baseball is something he wants to do anyway but um i i'm kind of with you like i don't know what that looks like in the future so i don't know how long this head coaching thing goes and i don't know if it's do i step away at some point but i've got some time to figure that out and all i know is that i'm trying to make an impact now and i know you're doing the same and and it's it's refreshing to hear and enjoy talking with you. And so I don't know if there's anything else that I don't know, maybe we missed something or we should have gotten to or didn't, or I don't know, whatever it might be, but just kind of give you the mic over one more time. No, I don't. I appreciate it. Yeah. We, we've tried. I canceled a couple of times too. I think, um, I don't know. Like for some reason, I, I think I, I, I just, I see people and like, they're so dour about things or down. And, and for some reason, um, my life has has continued to get better and better and better and better. And, and it's not that I don't have challenges or I haven't had tragedies or I haven't had this or that, but my life, as long as I am in the background of my life, my life is good. Right. It's kind of a, a backwards way of succeeding, I guess. But it's like, if I could put everybody else first, my wife, my family, my kids, uh, my team, my coaches, then everything seems to work. And I don't know if, if, I guess the one selfish thing I do, like I have to get up and work out early because then nobody bothers me, right? Like if I get up at 4.30 and work out, that's my time. Everybody's asleep. But other than that, it's like if everybody else comes first, then life is good. And I think that's coaching too. Like let's not just sit and think about, I want to do this or I want to do that. Let's think about, what can we do for others? What can we do? What can they do to help themselves get better that maybe I can step back and have no part? Of? I mean, I'm serious. If I could coach well enough and I could just sit on game days and watch my team play and be a fan, I'd be thrilled, you know? Um, and that's what you're talking about coaching your kid. Like I watch my son play, you know, his little league stuff. And sometimes I'm like, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> but it's like, 
he's a kid. And so when he gets done, Dave Webb taught me that. Like he gets in the car and I swear to God, I go, I love watching you play today, buddy. And he, and to, to a point, he goes, I love playing dad. Great. And if he wants to talk about his game, great. But if not, you have to have the intestinal fortitude to just sit there and talk about ice cream. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we have a, a really amazing opportunity at a great life if we can put ourselves in the background of it. And and it starts with your kids. It starts with your players. And I don't know. That's just, I guess, where I leave it is don't make yourself so important in life. <laughs> Brian and I tried for over a year to have that conversation. When we finally made it happen, our internet connection kept getting broken up. And so editing this really put my skills to the test. Hopefully it wasn't noticeable. Hopefully you had no idea. Uh, But he was phenomenal and it was expected, but he was still phenomenal and kind of blew my expectations out of the water. I'm so happy for him and the St. Joseph players and the families as they progress into year two. If you aren't signed up yet for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some high school coaches club stickers or maybe even a hat, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this or any previous episode, please share it on social media via email or through the old fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better. And that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Madsen for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do, and as Coach Lee would say, loving you.